0: Hi, all Double G from Fight Game Media here, letting you know that we have a sister podcast feed to the one you're listening to right now. Mike Gilbert and J.D. Oliva have been doing a podcast called Brace for Impact, which is now on a free feed of its own. You can search for Brace for Impact in your podcast player or check out the link in the show notes. And if you want more Brace for Impact, you can find more from Mike and J.D., on our patreon on to the show and boom goes the dynamite
1: how's it going everybody welcome to the very first episode of fight game media's newest podcast the boom i'm your host for the show james b mcdaniel and i'm joined here by my co-host kevin kevin how do you exactly do you pronounce your name it's been a hot topic lately (laughs)
2: It's pronounced Ely
1: Kevin Ely Kevin, it's really great to be doing this show with you We're going to be going over every week All the latest in AEW And um, I kind of got to know you Through the David Lovell podcast How I Mm -hmm. caught the wrestling bug Because when I did it You were the previous guest And uh, I listened back to yours To kind of get an idea of what was coming for me And I thought, man, I think me and this guy Can get along And here we are just a month or two later Doing a weekly AEW podcast together,
2: that's right. Just two wild-eyed southern boys. <laughs> that's exactly Get right. Together to talk about wrestling.
1: Yeah. So you grew up in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, listening, watching yep. Mid South. I grew up in oh, South yeah. Louisiana, watching Mid South. I, yep. I have a feeling. I have a feeling we're probably going to agree on a lot of
2: things as we move forward here. Hopefully not too much. I think so. Yeah. Hopefully not too much it would make it interesting. But I think we definitely uh, grew up on the same. Uh, the same product and a lot of the same tastes and probably enjoy a lot of the same things. So I think that's why we both were excited about, uh, talking about AEW because it pushes a lot of those buttons. Now, real quick, before we get moving, before you,
1: before anybody gets too deep into the boom here, we've got to tell y'all fight game media plus, which you can follow right now on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash fight game media. It's only $5 a month. They just dropped their very first premium podcast covering the big Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter fight that happened Saturday night. Um, I'm really excited to listen to that one. I actually ended up missing, missing the match. I'm going to watch it later today, and then I'm going to go listen to that podcast. I have a feeling it is going to be a good one, Kevin. Yeah. So we've got a, so our job here is to talk AEW each and every week. And I think this is a great time to start because we are coming right out of full gear. Which is gonna give it it gives us a lot of big topics to talk about coming out of full gear. And it's gonna give us a lot to look forward to later on in this episode with where we're we're moving forward. So I think the big I think the big thing to start with is we're looking at the end of the Kenny Omega era and the beginning of the hangman Adam Page era that we've been I think we've all been looking forward to this
2: new era for a very long time. Yeah, it's kinda like the the wild blue yonder, like the since AEW started, it seemed like the Kenny Omega story, the, the Hangman Page story were really the big story arcs of the whole promotion. And now it's sort of come to a head and it's almost like, where do we go from here? Um, you know, I think uh, we didn't anticipate Brian Danielson and CM Punk being in the mix at this point. But, you know, so at a certain point, you're, you're really more excited about the future than wondering where to go. Um, but it's just been cool to really see a real story being told over two years, almost three.
1: Yeah. That's the thing. They've been building this story for going on three years. Now, all the pieces have been in place since almost since the early press conferences for AEW. And I think at the very first press conference in Vegas, Adam page announced, I'm going to be your first AEW champion. And even though he wasn't the first, we all knew there was a build and what's fit is it's been a, It's been phenomenal being a part of this journey on this cowboy shit journey as he became easily one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star in AEW, despite Chris Jericho being here and John Mm -hmm. Moxley being here and seeing that growth has been phenomenal. And it's been done so well. And like, look, I've I've eaten it up as much as anybody's eaten it up. Um, My friends favorite, right? my friends get literally my best friend gets sick and tired every six months. I'll be like, you know, man, I think Adam Page might be my favorite wrestler. Like (laughs) I keep saying it over and over because it keeps hitting me just how good he is. I think he reminds me a lot of like an early Barry Wyndham in the ring. And I think he has a lot more charisma outside the ring. And now here we are, we're at the, What looks like the end of this journey, but something where Tony Khan saying this isn't the end of the journey. We're just getting going. And they've dropped so many great little Easter eggs along the way, Mm -hmm. such as when the Dark Order charges in to hug him after the win. They hand him the beer and he tosses the beer down because it's not about the alcohol anymore. Now it's about the friends who stood by him trying to get there and then there's also this big storyline we've got going now where he asked the bucks early on to be in his corner
2: um mm-hmm. I believe I believe was it against Kenny Omega or was it against it was, I I want to say it was his uh, tournament match against Kenny
1: yeah, I think that's what it was. And they and they couldn't do it. And then they actually came out and were in the corner for this one and gave him the nod, didn't interrupt. And then mm-hmm. we actually, and we're, of course, going to talk about this more in a bit. We start out A.W. Dynamite with Kenny Omega uh, kind of talking about what's next for him and then saying, mm-hmm. I haven't watched the show back yet. And I think that's definitely going to come into play. What we're hearing is he hasn't seen the Young Bucks give that nod
2: yet. You know, I didn't even pick up on that at the time. I... I totally did not. I mean, I I when I first heard it, I heard I just didn't even think much about it because I thought he was just like, oh, I'm a student of the game. I'm going to watch it. But now that yep. you say that, I completely see what you're saying. Um, they it's it was cool how they sort of they've been planting the tiny, tiny little seeds of of Adam Cole coming in and kind of weaseling his way in a little bit and getting yeah. the bucks in his circle. Uh, and I like how they drop just enough to let you know it's really there. So that he's gone and Kenny's out. He's getting surgery, right? Yeah, like um, we. I have a list here, Kevin, of oh. all the things, Kevin,
1: that, that all the things that Kenny Omega is getting surgery on. Getting shoulder surgery apparently for the last few months at, the, at minimum, he hasn't been able to lift any weights on his shoulder. Basically, just mm-hmm. just the bar. Knee surgery. He's getting uh, surgery for an abdominal hernia. He's going to get nasal surgery for uh, well septum. And then also he's uh he revealed on YouTube, he did a YouTube this week with um I think a YouTube famous um chiropractor. Yeah, I watched that. He, that. Yeah, that he's had Vertigo now for years. And that's yeah. insane because I think he said since twenty eighteen, and we've been seeing these six star matches from Kenny all these years, and the ring is spinning
2: for the guy. That is yeah, that is absolutely amazing. It it is amazing and when you hear that list, I am, number one, amazed that he gutted it out that long. Number two, I'm really glad he's taking the time off because it'll be better for him physically. It'll probably add five years, ten years to his career, however long he wants to go. But also, he's if he takes a significant time off, that roster is so strong, it will be super hot without him. And will and he'll come back as, as a deity when he comes back. I mean, uh, if he gets the right rest— gets to heal up, and hopefully it all goes well, and he rehabs well. When he returns, whatever the company's shape is in, he's coming in, and it will be enormous. Absolutely. And we're in a weird spot with
1: AEW where it's almost a little bit of a bonus when somebody like Kenny can step away for a while because now that's just going to open up room for all these other guys to come yep. up and bloom. And then, like you said, when he comes back, just like when John Moxley comes back, Mm-hmm. The w universe is going to absolutely explode and mm-hmm. so that's that's right now two big things even though you know it's a lot more serious with john moxley but it's also sure. serious with kenny getting surgery those are two debuts that, that I'm now really excited for when they come. Supposedly the w- word on the street right now is that Kenny is expected to come back late February, but of course he hasn't had any of these surgeries yet. I kind of right. expected him to uh, kind of hang around long enough to to drop that triple A title. I believe mm-hmm. that was scheduled for that match was scheduled for December fourth or fifth, which is really just mm. a- week, week or two away. And uh, he's not going to be he's not going to be performing in that match. He's
2: he's, he's not, already OK. No, he's already canceled that one. So that tells me he really needs this surgery. Yeah. I wondered if he was going to do that one last one just to drop that last title. Yeah. Um, you can tell he had a mission in mind this year that he needed to get. He needed to get to this point. And, and kudos to him because, um, you know, he he put Kenny over. I mean, he put a hangman over exactly the way you should have. He he put Hangman over
1: exactly the way he should have. He had some amazing matches along the way. He had that barn burner with with uh, Brian Danielson on, live yep. on Dynamite. I think that's and, my uh, favorite match of the year. It, this is going to be a really hard year to come up with favorite match. And, and one of the things, um, every now and then, uh, my friend and I will pull up Dave Meltzer five-star matches and just go mm-hmm. through. And it blew my mind when I realized that Brian Danielson – up until recently had never had a five-star match but that chuck taylor and trent beretta did and i, lo- <laughs> uh, I listen i love chuck and trent they're not yeah. brian danielson and i right. realized that their match against proud and powerful against santana and ortiz mm-hmm. their um what was the name street of that fight uh, their uh, street the fight yeah out in the parking lot, lot or something yeah that was i believe the first five-star match on weekly TV history, like not a clash of champions, like just a regular TV show. Really? Ever. Ever. Yeah. And look, people can look that up. And if I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. But yeah. I believe I'm right on that. And since then, we've had so many five-star or five-star Close, like close to five star matches on mm-hmm. AEW and it's just an it's an absolute treat. It's an absolute treat to be in a position where you can turn on wrestling almost any day of the week mm-hmm. and you have the potential of seeing one of the best matches you've ever seen like that Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match and and of course now we've 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 got the taste for it. It's yep. like uh, we've got the taste for for Omega Danielson, and now we've got to wait at least through the first quarter and into the second quarter of next year to get it, and that's a that's a phenomenal tease in and of itself.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the thing that's impressed me about AEW, especially this year, is that I, I don't know if he consciously does this, uh, but it seems like Tony Khan recognizes that he needs to parse it out a little bit, you know, like once a week. You know, even lately, we haven't had as many of those classic weekly TV matches. But there's just enough for you to feel like it could happen any week and all. But it's not exactly like the PWG thing where everyone's just blowing everything out every time they get in the ring to where it can kind of be numbing a little bit. I think if you saw that every week on TV, you would start to gloss over a little bit. The thing I love about AEW TV is moments feel like moments. Like when a big thing happens, it feels like a big thing. And when a great match happens, you're like, wow, that was, you know, that was the match of the week, but they're not also, um, you know, they don't put on any stinkers usually, but, uh, well, maybe sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there was a, um, there's an old filmmaker, uh, motto or a, or, or a adage that, uh, a great movie is three great scenes and no bad ones. And I think that's kind of what how Tony Khan books is kind of like, I've got these tentpole moments, these tentpole matches, and then everything else is just like, keep it at a good level. And people can hem-haw about like star ratings on you know, whether this was five or six or four and three quarter or whatever like that. But the bottom line is it's great.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And listen, I'm going to, I'm going to praise AEW for so many things. I genuinely do love AEW. They brought me out of the, what I consider the pro wrestling dark ages that I was suffering through for, I don't know, maybe 15 years or more, but listen, there are a lot of things I think they do wrong. And I'm going to bring up two of them right now. Mm. Number one, it's something you just mentioned, and and it happened to me at Full Gear. Full hmm. Gear, and yes, people, I'm about to complain about too many great matches. <laughs> full Gear started with this absolute monster match between Darby Allin and MJF, yes. and then they just... They just hit you with match after match after match. And they were all great. They were all great matches. There might have been one okay match. And each time, each time a match ended, I am sitting here begging the wrestling gods for an interview for Mm -hmm. a blow off match. That's not important. So I can kind of come down and then get brought back up and I never got it. And so I listen, I really liked the main event. But I didn't appreciate how great the main event was till I went back and watched it on its own the next day because I had been deadened a little by – at that point, I think I'd watched four and a half plus hours – Of great wrestling and I needed I never thought listen I it's a great that's a great problem to have and it's not something I don't think it's something I've ever really experienced outside of being at like a live WrestleMania week thing where you're watching 15 hours of GCW and Defy and all these other companies but um, yeah I needed a little something even if it was just a situation like in the UFC I think I've mentioned this before to you on the phone Kevin where interview the interview the winner just have Mm -hmm. somebody interview the winner on the way to the back give just three or four minutes of downtime before you hit with the next match but uh yeah that's a good problem to have and the other one is we were talking a little earlier about this amazing build with um with Adam Page over the years, and yeah. they've dropped so many tiny little hints, just mm-hmm. like that tiny little beer can moment, just like Kenny Omega mentioning offhand that he did, hasn't seen the, the match yet. Little things mm-hmm. like that, that those tiny things spread over three years are really easy to forget. And one thing yes. I wish that AEW would do a little more often is give us some video packages along the way, reminding us of all that all that storytelling because some of it was is done with such a light touch and that's brilliant Mm -hmm. and no Mm -hmm. i don't i've never seen wrestling done that way in my uh however many years of watching wrestling over 30 years um i need a little reminder every now and then
2: they have a really good video team um you know their road to uh uh, segments are usually really good um but i i agree i i think they should have someone on staff who's really just like the storyteller, like the person who puts that together for the audience. They do seem to put a, like a, a lot of thought into YouTube, um, yeah. you know, release a half hour, 45 minute documentary. That's just the Omega um, page story, you know? yeah, um, And, and that focuses on those little moments and things, you know, I think if he had like a little crew that could just, you know, a little baby WW films type thing, you know, mm-hmm. that they have so much great footage behind the scenes. They have so much thing, you know, um, um, you know, interview footage and things like that. Those little seeds, you know they're intentional. And 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 especially Kenny and the Bucks are are the people who love those tiny things. Um Make sure someone tells people about him. (laughs) Yeah. Almost
1: like it's almost like they need a long term script supervisor on set that is there to push like, hey, as we move forward to the Mm -hmm. culminating moment in this story, let's remind people of this and this. And you're right. They Mm -hmm. do Thing is, They get it on. They put it all out. And one of our segments here going forward is going to be kind of should have been on dynamite. They yep. put out a lot of great 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 stuff every week. Not just them, but their wrestlers mm-hmm. as well, and every almost every week there's something like that should have been on Dynamite. Right. And we're going to yeah. co- we're going to talk about that. For instance, basically everything Eddie Kingston does in his yes. life. Eddie Kingston's breakfast should be on Dynamite.
2: Yes. Absolutely. There there was a video uh that I had in a note is um I think they called it Eddie Kingston's opus on YouTube, but they also republished it later as a special uh, road, to, uh road to full gear piece. Uh, that was just a video of Eddie Kingston talking about a dream he had. And uh, this is leading up to the punk match. And the dream was uh, about a snail crawling on a razor blade. And he was wondering, am I the razor blade or am I the snail? And it made no sense, but it was one of the most compelling. It was like right out of apocalypse. Now it was, So compelling. And I saw it one time Mm -hmm. and then it was never on TV and it wasn't on even their uh, pre-show package that they ran after uh, Rampage. And they just make this stuff and it sort of goes out there. Um, And if they just had someone who whose only job was to make sure the very best stuff gets put in front of the most eyes. Right. If so many creative people, they just need it to wrangle and focus it. Same the the same thing with being the elite. Listen, some weeks being the elite is is throwaway.
1: Sometimes it's yeah. it's just fun, but sometimes there's some phenomenal promos on there. Some there's some phenomenal uh, segments. And one thing we've talked about before is is the whole Budge thing. The Budge thing yeah. made dynamite. The whole idea right. is that when when Adam Cole comes over. From WWE, the Dark Order, specifically Silver and Reynolds, they kind of they catch him backstage and they're like, hey, we got some ideas for you. You're not that great a wrestler. We think you should be our manager. You're going to need a new name, though. We don't want they literally said we don't want people mixing you up with Michael Cole.
2: And got to cut your hair.
1: Yep. Freaking hilarious. And then they're like, we think your name, you know, you do the whole boom thing, which I believe is partially where the name of this show comes from. Yep. And they're like, you should, you should be budge. And I loved this. I loved this story. And then it makes dynamite and, and, and you've got. You've got John Silver literally pointing at himself and saying, budge. And I'm thinking nobody knows what's happening here. Like maybe 55 or 100,000 people know what's happening here. Mm -hmm. That's something you could have cut those segments down into like a little one minute clip and thrown it on. I think it would have been phenomenal for Dynamite Mm -hmm. and it would have helped with that story.
2: Yeah. And just enough, you could tell that just enough people in the arena knew what he was talking about. To make the other half know that they missed something. Yeah. But it'd be nice if they just didn't miss it. And it'd be nice if
1: they knew, for instance, I grew up, I was a comic book kid. I grew up, my dad had a, my dad had the second largest magazine and bookstore in Louisiana. I read every comic book and in comic books, like they would, they would give a reference to something that happened and there'd be a little asterisk. And at the bottom of the page, you would say, see like amazing Spider-Man episode, like issue 694. People that like you knew where to go for that, you don't know where to go to get Budge, and right they, there should be something giving people a little, <laughs> little bit of direction, like maybe they they a little graphic. That, uh, yeah, yeah, throw the one minute throw clip a little up QR there.
2: code or something up there,
1: <laughs> yeah, or throw, throw in a very short, abbreviated clip and just say, mm-hmm. like, like, and have like youtube.com backslash being the elite, something like yeah. that. But that's one of the again, one of the few things A.W. does wrong. And what I'm realizing is we're talking here, Kevin, is Mm. it's another problem of they have so much great stuff. Right. Like you said, they just need to figure out how to get the best
2: material in front of the most viewers. Right. They They have a flood of creativity that they need to turn into a river. Yeah. That 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 is moving forward. Uh, yeah. And one of the nice things, I mean, like you said, it, it's, it's a good problem to have because they have a bunch of wildly creative people who feel like they're getting to express themselves. And uh, Tony shows that he has good instincts. I say Tony, like I've met him. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but I think he, I think it's just gonna be one of those things where as they grow um, they he, they just need an assistant to help an editor whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, executive producer, creative director or whatever, who, uh, who can just help keep this stuff to where Tony doesn't have to keep it all in his head. Exactly. Cause I think that's sort of what's happening now. And, and apparently he apparently he's a genius because he has been able to keep all in his head, um, and have these things. I mean, there's so many details that that they do the, the, this is a random memory, but I noticed that, you know, um, uh but the weekend before full gear so they they threw jungle boy off of a stage right to knock him out. uh the super click Mm -hmm. they throw him off he does a like they throw him he does a forward uh flip back into the stage right right so weeks later he comes back in this big wild brawl how does he debut they're on the bottom of the stage Jungle Boy Kim's soaring off the stage, doing the exact same move that he did when they threw him off, except this time I'm being thrown off. He's throwing himself onto them.
0: Like, I never, I it never had to be that. intentional. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but I wanted to let everyone know about Fight Game Media Network Plus. If you enjoy the Fight Game Media Network, check out Fight Game Media Network Plus at patreon.com front slash fight game media. We have three specific Patreon-only shows, and we'll soon have monthly bonus content from the show you're listening to right now, and it's just five bucks a month. So if you want to support your favorite podcast on the network, go to patreon.com game media and you'll get more content than you can shake a stick at.
1: It is, it is shocking the amount of intentional things they do like that, mm-hmm. and I and thing is, when doing a little bit of research for this podcast today, I came across a couple of things like that involving, mm-hmm. I, I think, CM Punk wearing a shirt referencing an album. And the first track of that album is called Maxwell something as oh they're starting to do this build with him and MJF. And I, I don't even remember the specifics. I forgot to write it down.
2: But there's yeah. so much like that that it, Kenny it's shocking. Omega his cookie monster shirt. Yes. Yes. Oh, he was wearing this search that all said CM and some sort of reference to that. And, yep. and that's the kind of stuff that pays off because in that example, you know, uh, the rumor, wild rumor or, or or widely spread rumor is that CM Punk is signed. He's coming in. They're adding the Chicago date. And yet they never admit it. They never actually say it. But they're throwing these things out to let you know, wink, wink, wink. And what that does is create a sense of, well, I know this is going to happen. But there's like that 10% chance they haven't actually said it yeah. so that it's not just announced and okay, here we go. And we get exactly what we expected, but it's this thing I hope they expect and they get the reward from saying, and we paid it off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll never forget that day because this is all that was talked about for days in advance. I remember that day at noon, CM Punk was trending on yeah. Twitter at noon that day, maybe even earlier. It was absolutely wild. And so I'm glad you brought it back around to Kenny Omega, though, because what was what was your as we're leaving this initial Kenny Omega almost full year title run? What mm-hmm. was your overall take on belt collector Kenny Omega? The whole Don Callis era?
2: I mean, overall, I I feel like it has to, it has to be considered a success. It was exactly what they needed to do mm-hmm. for him and for the title. Um, I there were a lot of things that were not my personal preference. I don't prefer a hammy um, right. sort of ridiculous Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was like, if he could have just dialed it down about 10%, I thought it would have had a little more menace, a little more, you know, but I did love once he started the belt collecting gimmick that, you know, um, this guy's the best in the world and, and you're just not going to beat him. Looking back. Um, I, I, I think I kind of might have been holding it to a little too high a standard because I think what I was expecting was like that, um, however long that huge Okada run was in New Japan where it was just classic after classic after classic and amazing defenses, amazing storylines, you know, matches that you thought were the one he was going to lose it and he didn't. Um, And this was more of a traditional title run with that that bled into other things. Right. Um, I think they tried so hard to be the smarmy heel that sometimes it kind of lost that best in the world intensity that I hoped Mm -hmm. it had. And and even in the final match. And like you said, when I went back and watched the match, it was even better than I remember with Paige. Um, There was that little moment that I felt like it was almost overplayed of it being like this is the storyline of the bromance versus this is Adam page proving that he can beat the best in the world because you know, so it was a tough balance and you know, it it was still great. And so I don't want to knock it too much, but I think the thing about, about Kenny Omega was, it was everything you, you got everything you get in Kenny Omega, you get the star, the athlete, the amazing moves, the intensity. He can make anyone look good. Um, But then there's also like the oil paintings of him shirtless with Don Callis and things like that. That is wildly entertaining. But, you know, sometimes it was a little, it was a lot. Off, so it's, yeah.
1: I Now I, I personally loved the oil painting and I remember, I remember sitting there thinking I've never wanted anything more in my life that I'm completely uncomfortable paying yes. for. Like, I'm, t- like they, I can't
2: they, order this. I can't order the, this, but I want it yeah. so bad. Kevin, there were t-shirts available of that painting. Yes. And I'm like, someone somewhere bought that t-shirt.
1: Yeah, and he is a he is a better man than I He is a braver man than I Yes, and that's I, off to that person if, if I ever meet that man at an AEW show He's getting a fist bump at the very least um, I thought Don Callis For, again At times it went too far But Don mm-hmm. Callis is maybe my favorite Heel in wrestling and mm-hmm. Over the last year He was phenomenal I actually, I love the Good Brothers But something you said earlier applies to them as well I wanted them to dial it down a little bit. Uh, I, I like New Japan. Good brothers to me are prime. Good brothers. They are menacing. They are dangerous. Yes. They will destroy you. And what we got in AEW was just jerk off humor yeah. Um, Good Brothers, which isn't my favorite Good Brothers. And again, there's no. spots for that, but it's not on Dynamite. It's not on your major TV shows. And I thought they could have been an even more menacing, a menacing group. This that version of the elite. And I also think I didn't I never fully appreciated the run because As soon as Don Callis comes over from Impact and Kenny takes the Impact title and the Forbidden Doors kicked wide open, Mm -hmm. my mind just went wild. My mind went wild. I wanted everything all the time. I wanted too much because anything was possible, even though... We, of course, were in the middle of COVID lockdowns. We weren't getting Okada over immediately. We weren't getting all of New Japan running in like like it's the WCW invasion, although it would definitely be better than the WCW invasion. And my mind yeah. kept going to wild places like that, and it always wanted more than we were ever going to get. So I think it's an era that I'm going to look back on more fondly. Mm-hmm. I will like it more in retrospect than I liked it while it was happening. I agree. And now— and now I'm excited we we've closed the door on it temporarily until mm-hmm. at least late February, early March, and I'm really excited to see what's going to come out the second the other side of this. Clearly, something is going to come with Kenny Omega and Adam mm-hmm. Cole, and and I don't know mm-hmm. what it's going to be. I don't know is Adam Cole going to completely take over the elite, and Kenny Omega is going to come back and feel left out? Are there going to be two factions? Bobby Fish. We have potentially Kylo Riley coming in. There's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities for where this could go. Because yeah. look. With the Good Brothers back in A in TNA full time or in Impact full time, and uh, and now Kenny Omega gone, we have a v- the elite has shrunk a lot. We've just got our three guys in the Super Click. Um, yeah, I feel you can, like one I, could say it's gone. Yeah, one could I mean, absolutely could say it's gone. Also, this is this is totally out of left field. I didn't plan on bringing this up, but I just want to mention it because I want your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. We have gotten, for a while now, we had Sammy Guevara coming out, getting beaten up, and in, in the, the inner circle didn't come out and save him for a while. They eventually did. And right now we have some very similar things happening where we have MJF coming out with Sean Spears and Wardlow, but not with FTR. And we yep. have FTR over doing this thing with Malachi Black and with Andrade El And I think that's really interesting. And I actually thought this week when we had uh, MJF come out with Wardlow and Sean Spears, I thought, I kind of like this smaller group a little better. And I love FTR. I yeah. freaking love FTR. But there was Me something too. about that smaller, tighter group that just really got my head going and thinking like I I kind of dig
2: this. I I do too. I was a big I was a big fan. I still am a big fan of the concept of AEW kind of being sorted a little bit the way New Japan does, where there's just these loose factions of people like camps. Right. And um and and um so I still like the idea of like, you know, you've got like the best friends, and then you have the elite, and you have, you know, some, you know, just everybody's got their clicks. And I, I still kind of like that, but I think sometimes, and I think during the inner circle and pinnacle feud, it, that's when you realized how unwieldy it can be is if the units are too tight, then all they can do is feud with each other. And then you wonder, well, why is this person over here and that? So I agree. I, I, I think FTR doesn't need a faction. No, they don't. Um, I, I, so that's actually the downside. I would almost rather them say, yeah, the pinnacle will always be the pinnacle, but we're our own men. And, you know, the the and kind of cut the stuff about like every time FTR does something, they have to like write a check to MJF or some, you know, to explain right. why this happens. It's just like they're FTR. They do what they want. And M, and MJF just isn't worried about it right now. You know, um, if
1: this is is this if this is a thought out move from Tony Khan moving forward where the the factions are a little less tight, a little looser. I, mm-hmm. I like it so far. I like what you're saying. I like where I it's too. going. OK, yeah, for sure. So, so let's, uh, what were your, what were some of your favorite moments on Dynamite this week? I, I actually thought to just to start this out, I thought a lot of the, a lot of the interview segments were more impactful than a lot of the matches. Mm-hmm. Cause we got, yeah, I think we got a lot design. out of these interviews. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think, I think uh, to me, it is one of those things where they did a good job of, of you know, the show reminded me a lot of, um, those shows after, uh, you know, Saturday TBS after war games in 1987, the whole show was to find out like, well, for me back then it was what happened because you didn't right. have pay-per-view then. But now it's it's what's the impact? What is what's the aftermath of this? And that's one of the things I thought they did really well, especially in regards to Hangman. Number one, that 30 minute segment at the beginning with the celebration, Brian Nelson coming out and the match with Evil Uno was just a perfect table setting for establishing him as the champion and establishing the contender. But one of the other things I liked was there were multiple interviews. And I think MGF was one of the most notable ones. Mm hmm where there are people that aren't necessarily directly connected to the title picture who are commenting on what they think about there being a new champion. And that's one of the things I loved about the old days of like NWA, you know, Hey, Ronnie Garvin beat Ric Flair for the title. What do you think about that? You know, and someone would say, everyone had an opinion. Everyone has a thought. Yeah. And so there's a new champion in town and everybody's trying to find their place in order of that. And uh, and that's one of the things I really thought they did really well with that. You know, I didn't I hadn't even thought
1: of that, but you're absolutely right. And that's something we saw. We really saw back in the day was this is our company. This is the face of our company. There is a new face of our company that affects everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. I I loved so of course we knew there was going to be a setup with Brian Danielson and Adam Page and nobody knew well, after both of them won their matches and uh and nobody knew how it was gonna work, how it was gonna happen. Yeah. And a lot a lot of people have been talking about this Brian Danielson heel turn. Yeah. And I, I can't remember who originally said it, but I, I, I'm not taking credit for it. The idea is we really didn't know if he was a face or a heel leading into this. Mm-hmm. This is just so uh, you can't even really call it a heel turn, but it's a great way for Brian Danielson to go to, to goad to Adam Page to get his match sooner rather than later, and I love that he said, "Look, take all the time you want, but until then I'm going to be kicking the heads in of yep. every member of the Dark Order." And that was a great lead in to our our, our match with Evil Uno where Brian Danielson absolutely kicked poor evil uno's head in yes he for a did. decent amount of time and he said he was going to do it and then he did it and then he did it and that's another and, and by the way that's another match that we get a lot of out of AEW that i like where look you can't give people 10 out of 10 matches you can't p- give people big blockbuster bangers every week but mm-hmm. evil uno is a beloved character he's yep. a good he's a good solid wrestler and brian mm-hmm. danielson is in the title picture and they gave us a really solid match. It was a lot of fun, and it leads. it is leading towards a title match, and it's leading towards next week, where now we're going to be in Chicago, and we're going to get uh, Brian Danielson versus Colt Cabana. And I'm even mm-hmm. more excited about that one, and I don't even know why, but I like Colt Cabana a lot. I, I really enjoyed his time in AEW. I think that's going to be an even better match than this one
2: yeah it's going to be super fun and you know it's going to be clever because even one of the things they do do well with these guys is that the sort of perception that if you're an aw you're good yeah so just because so so even a so-called squash match um or an enhancement match or something you know an exhibition whatever that you know no one expects evil uno to win the question is how much trouble is he going to give him along the way and right both he and Cole cabana are great at those matches where they're sneaky They'll find, you know, crazy ways to find a pin out of nowhere, you know, kick out when you didn't expect it. Um, I think the one thing, you know, about this heel turn with Brian is, um, you know, he's not really that different. When he came back to AW, no. he's saying all the same things. He He's counting to five on every rope break. Um, he's being kind of a jerk to people, just saying I'm the best in the world. It just so happened he was saying it to the elite before, you know, instead of to – uh, our new hero. Yeah. So the the one thing that I wish he had done different was I think he made a crack about people in Virginia not wanting to work hard. He kind of healed on the crowd a little bit.
1: Oh, they were cheering. They, they, they were literally cheating the opposite, cheering the opposite of hard work. They were yeah. cheering a man not
2: wrestling. Right. And so there was a little bit of like, OK, I think, you know, you don't have to do that. It's, it's total nitpicking. But he didn't but have to go the Rick
1: he, Rude route.
2: Yeah, he didn't have to. Yeah, he didn't have to, like, just pick on the fans or, you know, something like that. I think that was a little bit of his old WWE tendency in there. But but you just see that glisten in his eye when he gets to be a total jerk to someone. And so this is one of the best sides of Brian Dale. So I'm glad we get to see it, even if we don't stick with it. I don't think his future long term is as a heel, because I think yeah. he's just the he's I think he's already in that phase where um, he's the legends just can't be booed and i think he's already there in his career but i think he knows how to you know i will be the bad guy in this moment so that this guy can be the the unabridged hero and have no split crowd because the most important thing we need right now is for hangman page to be a successful world champion
1: Exactly. And you, you said it perfectly because it was almost like he got the glint in his eye. It was almost like a kid in the candy store where he couldn't. Mm-hmm. He was trying to hold himself back from going over that edge, but he kind of had to for just a second because yeah. he was so excited to be there in the moment doing it and building this match. Of course, mm-hmm. me being me, I can't wait till we finally get Brian Danielson versus John Silver. That's the match oh, I yes. really want out of that. In his uh,
2: hometown of Long Island, probably. Oh, that's right. That's only two or three weeks, right? Yeah. The way the schedule works out, um, someone pointed this out, and it might have been um, Paul or Jeff on the Dynamite show, but um, that the way that it pulls out is we have Cole Cabana next week. Right. And then they're in Duluth, Georgia the week after that. I think one of the members of the Dark Order is based in Georgia. It might be Preston Vance. I think it's 10. Yeah. And then uh, the week after that is Long Island, which would mean John Silver. And then the week after that is Winter is Coming, which Ooh. could be the match. Yeah. If they wanted to pull the trigger that early, which would is what I'm praying for because I have tickets.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. If You get to be there in person for that. I will hate you so much. I'll be so <laughs> jealous of you. Oh, my God. That's exciting. That's so exciting. Okay, so the other big thing that came out of promos in this one we got we got two different MJF promos and I'm just going to cut to what it led to and that is MJF basically calling out CM Punk and CM Punk answering the call. Yeah. yeah. And I Perfect. I for one listen, I AEW seems to always get get their characters right, but sometimes it takes them a little while. It took a while with Miro, but now I love Miro. I love mm-hmm. the, the the I I love this this current Miro more than any other Miro we've ever had. And I've thought I get what they're doing with CM Punk, basically wrestling a lot of the younger guys and building them up. But look. CM Punk came into maybe the most fanfare ever in professional wrestling. He's got to get into into the picture here. He's got to start yeah. taking on some major opponents and this is that major opponent and it's not one I'd thought about before for some reason and as soon as I realized this is what they're building towards, I mean, the the thought of the promos between those two. Like we we thought like we loved what we got between CM Punk and Eddie Kingston, but this right here, these could mm-hmm. be life-changing promos,
2: Kevin. Yes, and that's why it was so perfect what they did on Wednesday by not giving yeah, it to you. Exactly. It came out, you know, MGF cut two promos during the show, and one of them was right after the match, which speaks back to what you talked about, about having, you know, c- could they cut in some of these post-match promos into the pay-per-views themselves? But, you know, he talked a lot, and then he comes out, sets it up perfectly. The music hits. Everyone's like, oh, crap, it's on now. Like, this is the next great feud that we want comes out, extends his hand. All punk does is does is smirk and turn around again. And it was absolutely perfect.
1: It was, it it was, it was, it was made perfect by what they didn't give us. You're exactly Mm -hmm. right. And I'm so excited to see where this, this goes forward. I'm not excited. However, um, I don't even know if I think this, I can't remember offhand if this happened on dynamite or on rampage, but next week, we are getting, and we'll talk more about, like, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about what we're going to look forward to in the next week. Mm-hmm. The next match for CM Punk is QT Marshall. Yes. QT Marshall. Adam. I went from being very excited about CM Punk to being not excited at all. Listen, QT Marshall. Not a fan of QT, are you? QT Marshall is a good wrestler. QT Marshall, I'm sure is a great trainer. And look, I don't want to be I don't want to be hyperbolic here. I don't want to, you know, any of that. QT Marshall makes me want to die, Kevin. He sucks <laughs> all the energy out of every room he's ever in, including my room that I am in at the moment out of my heart and soul. I really don't like QT Marshall. And uh, well,
2: hopefully, hopefully punk will take out your frustrations on him he, on your behalf. Might,
1: might, might cripple Be the, the man. The we voiceless. never see him again, man, I
2: hope so. I hope. Yeah. So. I don't, ha- I don't hate QT as much as you do. I, <laughs> I, it's a rare, I like, hate. Him. It's a I rare like hate. him as a manager. I wish, I wish that his faction had a little more oomph to it. He's not a super great heel, but he does. He's very slappable. Uh, he is
1: very slappable. He does a great job of that. And that's, What's odd is that's not even why I hate him, but I will say I like I like his crew. I like like I think they did a great job at holding back Anthony a go-go a long time. Mm-hmm. I have high hopes for Nick Camarado. He mm-hmm. looks like the wrestlers I grew up watching. Yeah. He looks he's exactly like, he's like, like, a like a an number. Angry
2: Billy Jack Haynes. Yes.
1: Exactly. Hercules Hernandez, Billy Jack Haynes. Yeah. Those are the names I think of when I think of him. And I have such high hopes for all these guys, but they keep It keeps being these stop starts. Like we had Anthony Agogo in this big in this feud with with uh, Cody Rhodes, and then it just ends. And then Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't know if anybody's seen
2: Anthony Agogo since then. I think somebody should check on the poor man. And I want to say I think he had some eye issues again. Oh really? Uh, Okay. Yeah, I think it might be a medical thing. But but I don't quote me on that because I'm not sure.
1: What, you know, that just reminds me one thing I really would like to pitch to AEW that I would like to see it. I don't think there's something they'll ever do. I would love a weekly show on YouTube. It doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. just a YouTube show. Give me 30 minutes a week on injury updates. Like we're seeing Dante Martin in this big in this big program right now with Leo Rush. But he was with his brother Darius, and I want to know, what what's Darius's injury? When is he going to be back? He's been gone for a mm-hmm. long time, and now with this Leo Rush thing growing, feels like he's not coming back anytime soon. I really would like there, – there are people where we hear there's an injury and then we don't see him for eight months. I'd love a, a, a semi, at least regular, update on actual whether – look, throw in the kayfabe injuries as well, but let us know about these people. You know, when Anna Jay was out, I would have loved to have known how Anna Jay was doing, same with Ty Conti, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's something – we've never really had in wrestling that we get in sports. And I think I'd really like to see them as they're trying to grow a more serious brand, do something a little like that, like you would get out of an ESPN.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the, um, I think one of the things that they're ready to do, they're, they're really poised to do this. Well is basically have these sort of funnel programming where you have the widest, you know, you have uh dynamite is the biggest end of the funnel, the widest thing. And, you know, rampage for like, you know, you want to watch a little more Then you have dark Mm -hmm. and elevation if you want to explore it more deeply. And then, you know, and if they have something where it just gets as narrow and as deep as you want to get, uh, you know, the, to the diehards, then you can do that. But as long as if you're just on that very top of the funnel, um, you know, you're not missing anything. It rewards you, it rewards you for diving deep and being the guy who can tell your friends about it. But you're not going to miss out and feel stupid if you don't know what budge means.
1: Exactly. Exactly. All right. So our, I think may, probably the biggest match of, uh, arguably, of Dynamite this week was Jay Lethal, um, the debuting Jay Lethal versus yeah. our TNT champion, Sammy Guevara. What are your thoughts, first of all, on them on AEW, Tony Khan bringing in Jay Lethal? And what were your thoughts on the match
2: in general? My thoughts afterwards about Jay Lethal were different than my thoughts before because Oh, that's I've, interesting. I've always I've always liked Jay Lethal. I've liked him mm-hmm. back when he was Samoa Joe's protege in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um through Black Machismo, I watched that Ric Flair Woo-off video from Impact at least once every 6 months and it yeah. gives me such joy. What I've always wondered is why does Jay Lethal need to do an impression of someone to show how much charisma he can have. Um, I went to a uh, Ring of Honor house show years ago when he was the when he was in his big reign as Ring of Honor champion and took a friend of mine who's a non wrestling fan but likes going to wrestling events with me because he likes he thinks it's funny how much I like it. But uh, <laughs> and the two people that stuck with him from that Ring of Honor show. And this was a show with Adam Cole, uh, Mike Bennett. This is when the Kingdom was in play. Um, was, uh, Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal were the two people And Mark Briscoe. Cause he was just crazy.
1: Yeah. Mark Briscoe is
2: amazing. Yeah. And he was amazing, but it was also just, he was just wacky and just, you know, memorable character. But then when Jay Lethal came out, he's like, oh, that guy's the champ. I can tell he's the best. And it was all just how he carried himself and everything. And I thought, yeah, I mean, he's cool. He's good. Um, and but so it was clear he had the charisma
1: that he had. He had the had recognized Yeah.
2: Right. But honestly, during Ring of Honor, I haven't watched a whole lot of Ring of Honor during the um, during the pandemic era. I know that he isn't as prominent there. And Jonathan Gresham and other people like that have have kind of come to bigger prominence and better reputation. So when I heard he was signing, I, I was actually a little bit like, really him? Like, is that the top of the heap of the Ring of Honor availability? You know, Mm-hmm. Then he had that match and I thought, oh, my gosh, I forgot how amazing this guy is. He is really good. Uh, And you could tell you could tell the end of that match. They both knew they had a banger.
1: Yeah, I I love that take because um, when when they brought him out on full gear, literally what I said to myself was good for Jay Lethal good for Jay Lethal. Yeah, He's finally exactly. going to be on a weekly like nationally available yeah. television program. You're not going to have to try and find Access TV to see this or Pop TV or anything else. I right. was happy I was happy for him. Yes. But I thought is he really the do they need Jay Lethal? And yeah, mm-hmm. After that that match, real this is this is the guy to bring in. He can still go, he can still he can still wrestle like a madman. He had an amazing match with Sammy Guevara where they really they sold the ribs. I think for the first time maybe in AEW we had a situation where they were teasing that that, that the doctor Doctor mm-hmm. Samson might stop the match. Which I loved because yep. that's they've never done that before, and uh, that's not something that you generally see in any wrestling promotion that I'm aware of. With a doctor potentially stopping the match, and I saw a lot of people online wondering, "Is this? Is this a shoot? Is it a work?" I didn't even think about that. I never even considered if this is real. But it led to such a phenomenal match, and now I'm excited to see what Jay Lethal is going to do going forward. And also, we have all these guys like Dante Martin and uh, and Lee Johnson, and uh, and there's probably nobody better in wrestling to help mentor them than Jay Lethal. Also, yeah. one last comment on Jay. Is that when he's just talking in his normal tone of voice, I hear the Ric Flair coming out. I, like, I hear that Ric Flair in the back. Same. And I'm like, is this always been like this? Or is like, is it just Ric left Flair, over?
2: <laughs> has, it, has it seeped into his soul? Yeah. Well, he went right to it when he came out at full gear and said, Shivani. <laughs> exactly.
1: And I, th- and one of course, one of the things I thought about is, look, we all know. Charlotte Flair, not happy in WWE. Her husband's in AEW. And I immediately thought as soon as that, as soon as Shivani came out of his mouth, I thought we don't even need Ric Flair. Now we got Jay lethal, (laughs) Have Jay lethal the head of that family. And I'm good to go. Like, let's do this. That was really (laughs) exciting. Of course, we also had on this show, we had orange Cassidy teaming a member of chaos. And, And as soon as he
2: said earlier, was it the previous episode or was it earlier? Either way. It was, yeah, it was either, I think it was, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember
1: when, but he was challenging. He's like, you know, I'm part of this team now, Chaos. I think I'm going to take a look at who's there and uh, think I'm going to pick one of my dogs. And I immediately said, Stone Pitbull, it's going to yeah. be Tomohiro Ishii. And it was. And um, and there was a lot of controversy online where people were upset. They're like, I'm so glad Chaos is coming. The Forbidden Door is open. But do we really need to see them with the Hardy family office? And I understand that. I understand the groans. But one of the things I've heard a couple times this week, I believe once from Brian Alvarez, once from somewhere else, was that the Butcher, that his dream match was Tomohiro Ishii. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came off of tour to have this match. And uh, I really enjoyed it. But I will say from watching stone Pitbull in new japan i forgot how small he was yes. and that he was standing in the ring he was shorter than orange cassidy mm-hmm. and so much smaller than both the butcher and the blade that was
2: shocking to me at first it really was to me you'd never really realize how much different per- tv productions make people look you know that yeah. like adam cole and nxt he comes over to aw still looks like the same guy yeah tomoe Ishii. And even Suzuki, to a degree, they mm-hmm. come over and you realize what they actually look like compared to these other people. Yeah. And uh what but the amazing thing about Ishii to me was, you know, there were probably a small number of people. I mean, a pretty good amount who knew who he was, but not enough to, like, make it a huge pop. Right. But during the course of that match, he became Tomohiro Ishii to those people. Like, yeah. they... Realized who this was. He told him who he was is the way as Triple H would say. There you go. And and uh, and his, it was just perfect. And,
1: and, yeah. His character revealed itself. It was he fully told them during that match who he was. Mm-hmm. And not only did he tell them, but they fell in love with it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Butcher, I mean, I'm so happy. That's one of the things I love about AEW is they'll give people moments like that. Butcher coming in off the road to do that match, the way that they booked it in a way that they did get to have the moment where Ishii got to show people who he is a little bit and show how tough he is. And then the Butcher comes in and Butcher has such a great aura in the AW, partially because he doesn't lose all the time because he's gone a lot. Right. That you felt like it was a big deal. Like it had never occurred to me 72 hours before Ishii versus the Butcher is a match I need to see. But when they squared off in the ring, you felt the buzz in the room of oh crap, it's on now. And 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 they just gave you exactly what they what 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 they needed to.
1: And that buzz also added I think it also helped people forget. Like we've people are over the Hardy Family Office if they were ever really into it, but it's largely been the Blade, the guys from Private Party the bunny like I think people forgot I think people forgot that the butcher and the blade are a great tag team and they're a hot tag team Mm -hmm. and and when they got the butcher versus Ishii I think they remembered and I think that gave an extra buzz was the return of the butcher something that I think people didn't even realize they wanted they weren't even thinking about looking forward to that and then when they got it it felt like an even bigger moment
2: yeah exactly and 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 even the matchup of of putting Orange Cassidy and Ishii together at first, I was like, oh, that hurts his credibility, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, this guy teams with Toro Yano. Exactly. Like, Which, we'll talk more about Yano in a bit. Y- <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> I'm more looking, about Yano. I'm looking forward to Yano sneaking in <laughs> through the door to sell some DVDs.
1: Oh, my gosh. Right. He's he's definitely getting his foot in that door, which, by the way, I hate to end this on a negative note. The talk of this match, it Mm. I found out today. I don't know how I didn't catch it earlier in the week. The butcher tore his biceps during this match. Oh, no. Yeah. And I'm now wondering not only like how much longer is he going to be out for that how is that going to affect him going back on tour with his oh, band?
2: His band mad at him now.
1: <laughs> his band has got to be ticked at him, right? Especially if yeah. he has to sit out a while. That's a real. That's a real shame. You hate to hear about a guy coming back for his dream match, coming off a tour, his band sitting there waiting for him, and he gets a pretty major injury. So I'm
2: hoping I hope he doesn't have to get to a point where he has to choose which career he needs to follow. Uh, I'm sure too. everyone does at some point, but I just really enjoy him in and. Uh, I hope he's I hope he stick, I hope he heals well and sticks around.
1: And I think I re- again I really like him as a wrestler. And if he I, look, I, I know he he doesn't want to give up music. That's where the real money's coming from. Mm. But man, him, I, I I would love to see what it would look like if we had him for just give us two years straight in wrestling. I think because as he's as he gets going as a wrestler, he gets better and better and better the longer he goes. And I'd love to see what it would look like if it was completely uninterrupted for a while.
2: Yeah, they have so few monsters there that they all stick out. I mean, Billy Gunn is like the Sid Vicious yeah. of AEW, you know, because. Because of the average size, there.
1: Do you want? Do you want to jump on ahead to Rampage and talk about that match? Sure, because I loved that match. We got that match set up here with a backstage segment where just the Gun Club just kind of wanders in on Darby Allen segment, and they're like, "Yeah, we're down," which reminded yeah. me reminded me of a setup from a TV show I love that I'm not going to go into called the IT Crowd, and they're like, and and Darby's like, "Okay, yeah, I'll wrestle you," and I. Billy Gunn is somebody that I did not fully appreciate when he was in his prime because he was surrounded by so many greats, by so Mm -hmm. many monstrous personalities. And every time I see him in the ring in AEW, I love Billy Gunn. I love his punches. I love everything he does. And he is the perfect man for Darby Allin because Darby's specialty is getting tossed around like a rag doll. And it was a work of art, Kevin. It was beautiful.
2: There were a couple of times I gasped out loud some of those yes. things because there was like is i'm sure that billy gunn is a pro and i'm sure that he you know knows his place in that match but there was a little bit of like i'm taking it out on this guy that i'm double his size and putting him over i'm gonna make him pay and, ra- and i'm sure will- darby's yeah the the, 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 ramp, uh, the ring barrier through? and the ramp mm-hmm. yep insane and uh, and I'm and I'm sure that Darby was down for it. You know, I
1: think Darby was excited about it. And yeah. I'm sitting here l- legitimately cringing because I'm so. How has Darby Allen not had a major injury yet? I don't think he sat out for any significant period of time. Has he since AEW? Kicked I can't
2: think of a time that he's actually had a real time off due to injury. No, other than and like a couple of weeks here or there.
1: Yeah, and that's mind-blowing, seeing yeah. this seeing this match with Billy Gunn. Also, I was shocked to discover on Dark this week that at least one of the members of the Gun Club is like 33-0. Like, one of them has an insane oh, yeah. record. I they're had no ta- they're, clue. They're,
2: hey, they're the number five-ranked tag team in the world right now. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> they're finally breaking through to get their due. It is kind of wild how many... And they're pretty entertaining.
1: No, they are. They're really entertaining and they're not bad wrestlers. Mm -hmm. It's just we've had such, so little exposure to them on Dynamite or Rampage. Mm -hmm. You really have had to watch Dark... elevation Mm -hmm. to really Mm -hmm. get exposed to the gun club but it's wild how many great tag teams AEW has and they're still able to work guys like this into the top five to give them that momentary exposure before they pull them back for Mm -hmm. another run again in the future kind of like they've done with uh with the vars the the varsity blondes
2: yes exactly and and i'm looking forward to once they've done their run with darby because it seems like it's going to go on for a little bit while longer is and probably some sort of match that involves probably the Gun Club versus Sting and Darby, so we can get Billy and Sting to square off.
1: You uh, you just hit on something I was going to totally forget, which was when we got Billy Gunn standing there staring down Sting. I thought, yeah. well, here is a match I never thought I wanted until right this minute.
2: Yeah, unfinished business from that WrestleMania. Uh, didn't didn't he come out uh, in that WrestleMania match with Triple H? I believe so. In? I believe yeah. so. See, long term storytelling, my friend.
1: I'm impressed. I'm impressed with that that level of long term story. I'm impressed with your memory, my memory, hot garbage. It is straight hot garbage. And I hate to jump back and forth between Dynamite and Rampage, but That's we're, right. we're kind of we're talking about the big programs right now. Those yeah. two. Um, Nyla Rose had a really good match with the Karushida. I've never, I have not been the biggest fan of Nyla Rose. Not only did she have a pretty good match with her, but also I didn't realize this was the first time. That uh, nada Rose has gotten a win over Karushita because they were, that was the big rivalry. It felt like almost all the way through uh, through lockdown was those two ladies. And, and she's um, never beaten her before. Apparently, never beaten her before. I believe that, that was said on commentary.
2: never, I've never thought. I just assumed that at some point she had early on. But in my uh, in
1: my in my garbage brain. I yeah. had Nyla Rose winning a lot of the early confrontations before the, mm-hmm. the, before Sheeta had the title, and Sheeta won all of them when she was champion, mm-hmm. but apparently not. And uh, they did a great job of that because that moves Nyla Rose forward, and it sets up a deeper feud with uh, Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb. And I am incredibly excited for heel Serena Deeb. I'm really glad— yes. um, I'm really glad we're getting a real focus on Serena Deeb because she is one of the absolute best female wrestlers on the planet, arguably is one of the best wrestlers on the planet, period, without putting a a qualifier on it with female. She's awesome. I'm so glad she's back. And this is going to be a great feud moving forward.
2: Yeah, she's fantastic. And I hope that they further develop her personality. She can go through a bit of a. Uh, a breakthrough on her persona online. I don't know if she needs a. I, I, I don't want to pair with a manager that'll like mm-hmm. sort of be a crutch to her because I think she's right. really breaking through with her personality, but this sort of new persona of, um, you know, essentially being like 97 Bret Hart almost, you know? Yeah. Um, And, uh, and, just being able to carry herself. Like I'm, I'm the best in the world is, is huge for her. I've actually really enjoyed this TBS women's tournament. Yeah. Every, every match has been given space. You know, none of them have been blow away, but they've all been sort of like the best examples of what the two people in the match have to offer. Even a velvet and, um, and Jade was, you know, those two train together, you know, they're, they're going to sometimes be scary a little bit. They hit each other, slap each other upside the head and, uh, you know maybe miss a spot or two but they go for it when they're with each other you can tell that they trust each other to um uh, to and give they, their all
1: they've been i mean they've been together almost the whole time at least as far as jade cargo because that very first match with Shaq, it yeah. was shack and jade against red velvet and cody and um I've got to say, I am incredibly impressed with how they've been developing Jade Cargill. Because look, we all know she's green; we all mm-hmm. know she is not the master of a thousand moves. Mm-mm. But I don't believe I've seen her really mess up a move. As in, they are give, like sh- her matches are being laid out in a way that everything she's going to attempt, she can absolutely pull off. And yeah. I, I compare it to Goldberg back in the day. Like, look, Goldberg wasn't a great wrestler when, yeah. when he was at his hottest, but he, he only did five or like six four, things incredibly yeah. well. And he did them really well. And that's what I'm seeing out of Jade Cargill. Look, I, I'm more critical of Red Velvet, especially considering she botched literally throwing herself out of the ring in this match. I don't know how she did it, but she no, now look. Yeah, I would as well. I absolutely would. I probably couldn't get myself up off the ground to attempt to go out. Right. So look, she is a, she is a much better wrestler than I could ever hope to be. But I uh, I do get I do get concerned with her being put in larger matches due to things mm-hmm. like that. But then when I saw the matchup, I thought, okay, this is great because she's wrestling Goldberg. She's just going right. to get squashed. So I I thought they gave her. In my personal opinion, I thought they gave her a little too much offense, and she did, she did botch at least one big thing. But they mm-hmm. do work well together. You're right. If they're going to put her in for longer, this is the woman to put her in for longer
2: with. And man, it's gonna not- be amazing to see Jade against. Uh, that that's one of the most intriguing things about uh, about this tournament is you know a lot of people are assuming Jade's going to get to the finals, maybe even be the first TBS champion. Right. Make it that bitch show, which I love as a catchphrase. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see her, you know, go up that line and it's going to get more and more demanding every round. You know, I think she's in line to go against Thunder Rosa in the bracket. I want to say it's
1: going to be the Perhaps. winner of Thunder Rosa and Jamie Hader, which I think we both probably assume will be
2: Thunder Rosa, which I'm hoping will be a good match. I I never had really seen much Jamie Hader until she mm. came in. Of this latest run yeah um and kind of heard a little bit of her story about how she transformed her body and just really got into shape over the pandemic and right. heard good things about her i've always wanted uh, she's just got a presence that i've always wanted to see her um do more than she's been doing so i hope yeah. that this match with uh, thunder rosa you get to really see her i uh,
1: i gotta tell you i've been so impressed with so many of the women in aw who've had to sit out for periods of time like ty conti Came, mm. Like she was injured. When she came back, she met, she took that time away, made the most of it. She she came back is. As- such she, she was so improved when she came back She came yeah. back so much better than when she left You've got Jamie Hayter She's out due to, I believe, due to passport And can't travel due to COVID She comes back with an entirely new body Looks like an entirely new wrestler Looks like a million bucks And now she is kind of put right in the middle of this Phenomenal women's division And I, I'm not afraid calling it phenomenal Look, it's not deep but it is a right. great division. Now it hurt it hurt bad when Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb got pulled back to the NWA for a while before they got signed full time and that showed us it's not the deepest but What they have on top, their top ten, is great. I am excited about Thunder Rosa, Jamie Hader. Mm -hmm. Then on the other, and so the winner that's going to face Jade Cargill, and especially if it's Thunder Rosa, I think we can expect a really good match. I I think Thunder Rosa can get a lot out of Jade Cargill. And then on the other side, we've got Nyla Rose has moved forward, and she's going to be taking on the winner. Of Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho, and Chris Statlander's another woman that was gone and she came back. She is so improved. I think she's probably my favorite female in the division right now. It's between her and Thunder Rosa to where I think most people assume Ruby Soho goes over in this match. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that easy anymore. I think Chris Statlander has the momentum right now. I think she's actually a little hotter in the division right now than Ruby Soho is
2: right and if you if if you want to have a if you want to have a um a real slobber knocker of a final put chris statlander against jade cargill in the final oh my god and see what happens there see what they could do with each other i mean they could they could have a twin towers you know type i hadn't even
1: thought of that but you're right first of all chris statlander crazy strong uh Outside of Rub- outside of Jade, you're right. She is like the biggest baddest chick in this division when it comes to muscularity and strength. That would mm-hmm. be a phenomenal match.
2: Could be a, li- a little bit like uh, was it last year when we had a uh, uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley. Yeah. down and it was just like oh this is this is the new female uh dr death and terry gordy like these two <laughs> you know <laughs> they yeah. just need to keep they just need to keep matching up every couple of years for the rest of their careers
1: that's something that e- like even if jade cargill does come out of this as champion that's now a match i'd really like to see i'd love to see that chris statlander chase or Whoever. I'd love to see Ruby Ruby Soho bouncing off of her. There's so many great matches there. Yeah. And the thing is that we're not even talking. Look, I think Thunder Rose is probably maybe the best they have right now. And we're not even talking about her. And, um, and I mean, again, there's so many women. Like, we're going to talk more about those when we get into th- what what should have been on Dynamite this week. There was a great women's match on Dark I'm going to talk about in a little bit. We had uh, we had the Acclaimers, Leo Rush and Dante Martin. Um, Leo Rush early as, as manager. I wasn't into that at all. Leo Rush in the ring. Give me that all day long, all the way in on Leo Rush wrestling to something else. I hadn't seen him in a while. I'd kind of forgot.
2: Yep, I forgot. I forgot about Leo Rush and and uh, he had been around, I think, some New Japan shows and stuff that I just didn't catch. Um, it's he's such an interesting mix because he plays heel so well. But mm-hmm. it's almost impossible for him to be heel in the ring. So if they can find the secret balance of, of him just being a smarmy, trash talking, super badass baby face. I think he, you know, I know some people um, have compared him. I think Garrett uh, may have compared him to Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. uh, early, you know, uh, that I think he is one of those people in that he is unlike anyone you've ever seen. Yeah. And um, um, it's 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 almost a shame for Dante because Dante is such a standout that he yeah. is now the second most impressive person in his match. Uh, but I love that team. I love them together. I love if Darius can come back healthy and um, and improve the way that Dante has. I think yeah. whatever comes of that dynamic of you know the brother coming back and I want a team with him, but I'm also kind of loyal to this guy. You know. Uh, there can have be a pretty a great, cool little undercard storyline there.
1: Exactly, it's going to be a. Uh, you actually said exactly what I was going to say, which that is such a great non-main event storyline. Like I, I, really can't wait for it. Um, let's see. We also had in this one, um, and I love that Eddie Kingston basically said like, "Why can't I ever go to catering without getting interrupted?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> going to catering where he's trying to give an interview to Tony Schiavone, and we get uh, and we get two interrupting and God bless him. Give me 20 seconds of 2.0 talking smack all day long. I've I've, I've I've fallen in love with those guys on on BTE. But the thing is, when they first debuted on Dynamite a few months back, I had mm-hmm. zero interest and in I didn't know who they were. I didn't watch NXT at the time. Mm-hmm. I had zero interest. Within two weeks, I was all the way in on them. I was all the way in on Daniel Garcia. and but they set up this match with Eddie Kingston and Daniel Garcia. And Kevin... Where did Daniel Garcia come from? This man, I had never heard of him in my life. And look, I went to GCW shows. I went to all the indie shows. And I had never heard of Daniel Garcia. He walks in, he's having five-star matches with everybody. Mm -hmm. He's looking like Zack Sabre Jr. or something. And just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, I am more excited for Daniel Garcia matches than I
2: am for some of the biggest stars in this company. I can't wait for this match. Absolutely. I think it's going to be so much fun. And the personality, he's even picking up a little bit of that 2.0 personality, you know, when he was talking trash about being from Buffalo and, you know, how they were calling him, calling him their son. And, you know, it's just like it confuses Eddie and and he gets mad when he gets confused. So it's just, you know, I. I'm really looking forward to it. I think you're totally spot on with the Zack Saber Jr. comparison. I think if he can, you know, Zack Saber Jr. was a really interesting technical wrestler for a long time, and it took him being with Suzuki Gun uh, and and sort of shadowing Minoru Suzuki to get this killer character that he has now. That's like a top level character. I think if Daniel Garcia can have matches like he's probably going to have with Eddie Kingston that he picked up from punk with Moxley, like all these guys and learn how to have that hard edge, but then also incorporate a little bit of that super obnoxious, uh, you know, 2.0 aspect of it. Like those guys are gold. And I think it's a perfect pairing with him. My next undercard feud that I want to see uh, after the current programs run out is I want to see the gun club in a blood feud with, 2.0 and daniel garcia i think them talking trash to each other will be hilarious and i think daniel garcia just working over billy gunn will be uh so fun you just
1: spoke to my heart with that that is a great idea i think that would be that's an absolute phenomenal match i had not considered yet also look we know daniel garcia can wrestle the one thing i don't know i don't know how great he is Personality wise, I don't know how great he is on the mic. Again, he might be great and I just haven't seen it yet. And uh, this is a great, this is a great person to put him up against. Like uh, Eddie Kingston is going to make him talk. If he can't, Eddie Kingston is going to pull something out of him. I loved the whole thing about, uh, you know, you're a grown man sitting here, these two men calling you his son. Like that was, that was great. Yeah. It's forget
2: it. I'm going to catering. I loved it. (laughs) Are you, are you disappointed? Are you disappointed that, um, the punk match seems to be a one and done. The punk, the punk match with, uh, with Eddie. uh, Sorry, with Kingston. Yeah. That they just sort of did it. And then they just sort of moved on to other things. I really hope it's something. I really hope it's
1: something that where they had some other plans and they're, they're they're. I hope they're planning to circle back around on it because it needs to happen again. And also um, look, Eddie Kingston is phenomenal. Eddie Kingston was getting cheered, he, he was getting more cheers than CM Punk. The crowd mm-hmm. was behind Eddie at the time. I think Eddie had the momentum going in. He had the heat from that article he posted the week before. Eddie Kingston can't seem to win a main event match to save his life. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's time to start – piling on some wins for Eddie Kingston. I think he is a guy who should be looking at a title sometime soon, just due to fan demand and fan interest in Eddie Kingston. I look, he seems like a guy who can survive a lot of losses, Mm -hmm. but don't you want to kind of, uh, you know, strap a rocket ship on his back right now? No, I don't. I don't want to risk losing what we have because what we have is phenomenal, something I never expected. I don't think he ever expected. I don't think they ever expected. And so, look, they have long-term plans, but they need to be able to alter them for situations like this where Eddie Kingston's gotten himself over again. He puts out this article. Everybody loves it. He did a he did a video uh, before the last pay per view, um, uh, where he was just in a in his childhood like bedroom or attic or something. Yes, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal, and that's something that should have been on dynamite. And it was mm-hmm. just on his Twitter. It was just on Twitter, and, and God love Eddie Kingston. He doesn't even know how to label a tweet very well to even right. let people know what they're about to see. It could have easily gotten lost if fans just didn't, a fan happened upon it, shared it, and that kept happening. I need to, see, I want to see more out of Eddie Kingston, and I want it to happen soon. Yep. So I hope you're, I, I do hope they come back around. And if they don't come back around with CM Punk, that's going to be a real shame. It also has to make you wonder what the plans were with John Moxley because John Moxley was so tied to Eddie Kingston um if that didn't maybe derail something that was supposed to be going on with him right now and uh so before we move on to uh kind of our very last stuff for the these shows mm-hmm. what are you looking like what when Kenny Omega got the belt, we kind of knew who his opponents were going to be. Right now, for Adam Page, we've got Brian Danielson. But we were really, I think, building to something with Jon Moxley. And I think that was, of course, the plan. I think Jon Moxley was supposed to win the tournament. But it, in that ladder match, um, where the, the second Jon Moxley, he was on the ladder with Adam Page, and he laid hands on Adam Page, the crowd went wild. The crowd yep. was angry. And I didn't. I was worried about with Adam Page being gone for a while, how over he would be when he came back. And that showed me I had nothing to worry about. The crowd immediately turned on John Moxley, and that's. I really want that that Moxley Adam Page feud is look as great as Brian Danielson is going to be. I'm not as excited about that. It's going to be interesting to see who the who the big bad for Adam Page will be moving forward, at least until the return of Kenny Omega.
2: Yeah, I think um I think that Daniel yeah, I think you're right that I think Moxley probably was going to win, probably do some sort of sort of sort of heel turn similar to Danielson was doing, just be this vicious. Uh I thought I imagined that he was just going to ruin Orange Cassidy in that match that he was yeah. scheduled to have with him and have it be shocking, which is perfect because Orange Cassidy's been so protected. Yeah. Uh just leaving him laying, you know, um, and then go on to uh, beat Danielson, give him his first loss, and then be the first big bad for Paige. Right. So I think, you know, Daniel, obviously Dan, Brian Danielson's a, you know, no one's second choice for just about anything. So he's, he's going to do a great job. I think it's a great, you know, first big title defense to go up against the person who looks like he's the best in the world now um, and beat him. I hope that he does give Danielson his first loss. And, and then Danielson can shake his hand and, you know, go right back to being Brian Danielson. Um, and then a lot of people are, you know, thinking, well, MJF is probably the next champion. Um, and that makes sense. You could go straight from a punk feud into a world title program. But I hope that Paige's reign is longer than that. I hope right. that he gets – I don't want him to be a transitional champion and I don't want no. him to – you know i think i think there's time to have a shorter run and he could have a shorter than a year run a year seems to be the typical thing so i think it makes sense for him to say maybe a little this one's a little shorter yeah. but i just hope he gets a lot of really great defenses in there um miro i think would be a great one um yeah you know if if kingston does kind of do it seemed like both he and Moxley were kind of you know being kind of tweener tough guys you know maybe Uh, You know, Page and Kingston would be great. That
1: would be a phenomenal match, I think.
2: And then a lot of these, you know, you talk about the forbidden door. We don't know who's coming in, but, you know, Adam Page is the homegrown AEW champion taking on some of the biggest free names, uh, free agents or, you know, Japanese talent. I don't know if Okada's in the cards, but, you know, obviously Kenny Omega Okada was the thing that people would want. Yeah, but if but if Omega's out and Danielson doesn't get the match, Okada and uh, you know a draw between Okada and Hangman Page yeah. would just be a signature match for Page, you know, like this is the time to cement him as one of the top guys in the business. Yeah, and I hope right. that he gets that chance. And right now we keep getting we keep
1: getting Okada's name dropped on TV. Okada is in the states right now. And let's talk about the forbidden door. We've got chaos here. We've got Rocky Romero. He brought in the all the best friends, even Wheeler Utah somehow. That, that man, he just walks in. I've never I, I saw him back in the day in a match. I didn't even remember he was in live. All of a sudden he's in best friends, and best friends are in chaos. Wheeler Udas had a hell of a ride over the last year. And uh, but now we've got the potential. We've we've got we've had the Stone Pitbull come in. Mm-hmm. We're getting Okada's name dropped. We might even get the GOAT Toro Yano. The man yes. who can fit more electric razors in his pants than any other man in professional <laughs> wrestling history. I don't know if anybody watching knows that, but that is true. I there's so many ridiculous things I want out of that. I want Yano more than look we're going to get Okada, I think. Yeah. And I'd like that you're pointing out like, look, he, they can't do Omega right now. Mm-hmm. They they're not going to, I wasn't expecting Moxley, but they can't do that. That kind of leaves a Brian Danielson or an Adam mm-hmm. page. Cause you're not going to, I don't think you're going to bring in Okada and have him wrestle Isaiah Cassidy or somebody mm-hmm. like that. No. You've got to do something big. And maybe that's part of why they're setting up a three or four week build to a match with Brian Danielson. Cause maybe, maybe Okada comes first. And that Maybe. would be that would be amazing. I really want a Toro Orange Cassidy tag team. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind them being dressed like each other and Orange Cassidy selling DVDs and Yano <laughs> moving in slow motion. I'm fine with both of them being dressed like Orange Cassidy, but I want ridiculousness out of it. I don't always want ridiculousness, but with those yep. two, I do. I absolutely do.
2: And, and they're in there with Matt Hardy and his crew. They're perfect for that kind of thing. Just Matt Hardy being befuddled and frustrated and (laughs) just outraged at, at that. He has to wrestle this gigantic uh, goof. You just made the best point. Absolutely. Matt Hardy right
1: now is the absolute best person to be in there with, with that goof, with both goofs. I think that is Mm -hmm. absolutely perfect. You're dead on. I hope that happens. And I hope that happens soon. But, um, but yeah, this goes back to the whole forbidden door thing. My mind goes crazy. My mind goes wild every time it's brought up. Now that I know that all these new Japan guys are in America right now, like we're talking again, they've been dropping Okada. Okada's in chaos. Chaos is in AEW. We could get more than just Okada, you know, with all these guys that are in the States right now, what would you most, what are you most looking forward to? Is it Okada? Is it seeing, because in my mind, look, Everybody calls Kenny Omega the best mount machine. In my mind, I have Okada one kind of one level over Kenny Omega. I really do.
2: Yeah, he's he's the ultimate right now. And I think um, I think very select matches for him. I I think there's maybe only two or three guys I would put him in with, you know, and it would really just it would probably really just be Hangman Page and Brian Danielson. And that's really it, as far as I can think of. You know, I don't think that's somebody you put Punk in with, um, no. you know, MJF, those type of guys. It's just not what you're bringing in Okada for. Um, you do that so if you have Okada for longer, not yeah. Not if you're going to only have one or two matches. If you're going to do a single match, one off thing, it's got to be one of those two things. Um, Ishii, I think you could put in with a lot of people. You could put him against Paige. You could yeah. uh, have a Ishii Miro match that would be. Um, Wild, Uh, yes. You know, you could you could rotate those guys in and out. Um, and you know, Yano. I think if the elite was still a thing, you could have done a chaos versus elite. Uh, you know, uh, match with uh, you know, Omega and the Bucks against Okada, Ishii, and uh, Yano. Right, and it would have been. Fantastic, yeah, and it would have been something that the Facebook group, Fight Game Facebook group, would have argued about, and you oh, know, it would
1: have been wonderful. It would have it would been, have been wonderful love hate. Thing to it say. would have been
2: everything we love. Um, but right now, I don't know if there's that dynamic. I mean, you could do the super click, you know, Okada and Adam Cole, uh, something like that. I think Cole is still kind of slotted to where he's still sort of working his way up to that very tippy top in right. AW, but I, but I think the runway is clear for him right now. So if they bring him in, it wouldn't be. Um, crazy I, to put him in there. Yeah,
1: and per, and also the fact that one of the one of the like, look, we know AEW got Brian Danielson really for two reasons. Number one, he wanted to wrestle again; he wanted to be mm-hmm. a wrestler again. And number two, he wanted to wrestle in New Japan. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons they got him. So that has to be a strong possibility as well. But again, we're talking about the two guys that we really see wrestling Okada. They're they're heading right for each other. And right. if Okada comes in and, and kind of in the middle, who gets him? Which one gets him? That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting dynamic heading forward. Let's see. As we, we're we're getting close to the end here. Let's see. Uh, a couple mat one match we haven't really talked about yet from Rampage. Adam Cole, Bobby Fish versus Jurassic Express. I don't even think I said that right. Jurassic Express. Uh any any thoughts on that one? Anything stand out to you
2: in that match? Uh Actually, no, you know, it kind of, after a long week of, you know, full, like, kind of like you said, a full gear dynamite with that, it was, it felt almost like an afterthought to me. I mean, the action was good. I don't mean to disparage it. Um, yeah. Um, and Jungle Boy is still great. Lucha's, you know, he's really coming into his own. I love the dynamic between uh, Jungle Boy and Adam Cole. Um. I really want to see the yeah. single match between them that they haven't had yet. And I hope Jungle Boy, it's weird because I think I want Jungle Boy to get his win, but I also feel like Adam Cole should not be losing a singles match.
1: I agree. uh, I absolutely agree. So I'm
2: not sure what to do with it. It probably will just have to come through. He gets the pin on him in a tag match or something like that. Right. Um, So it was a fun match, uh, but but it was kind of like if I didn't see it this week, I probably wouldn't have missed it.
1: You know, right there. That is that is something we're building towards. And I don't feel like they're going to want to push this all the way to the next pay-per-view, which is, of course, going to be probably three months away. It makes me wonder if we're not going to get the blow off to this this feud at uh, Winter is Coming or potentially the other the other kind of Clash of Champions type thing we're hearing
2: about Battle of the Belts. Right. And they also have um, they're kind of pushing their uh, New Year's like the 29th or something. That's right. Which probably won't be too big because it's still, um, you know, holiday, but it's just sort of a way to brand an episode to kind of fight the, the, the Christmas drag.
1: I got to tell you, as we're looking forward to what's to come, and I think that's how we're going to end this episode, looking forward After I saw the dynamite rating and that it was up and it was like nine hundred eighty-five thousand, I cannot wait for them to get over to TBS because, for those that don't know, the big issue right now with the ratings is, previously they were live everywhere except for West Coast because West Coast live is five p.m. People are literally still sitting at work, and then things started getting moved around and then they eventually like okay we're live everywhere until January and so right now everyone in California. They're sitting at work while Dynamite's going live, and we don't get the live plus three numbers, which we should be, because I guarantee you, and, and Tony Khan has, has referred to the fact, they're killing it in those numbers, which is whoever watched live was whoever watched over the next 72 hours via DVR. But for them to get any real traction in a quote-unquote ratings war, they've got to be back to being time-delayed in California and live the rest of the country. That's uh, it hurts not seeing those one point, whatever millions anymore. Yeah. And that's, what that's, what's going on with that.
2: Yeah. And theoretically the TBS, there'll be less of, I mean, we don't know exactly, but there'll be less preemptions. There'll be less yeah. uh, moving around and, and just being able to have some certainty that they can really invest Yeah, uh, in plugging it. Um, I think. And then, and then rampage is staying on TNT, right?
1: Exactly. And that's one thing. That's one thing that gets a little
2: frustrating when hearing
1: everybody arguing, everybody arguing online about the ratings for Rampage and like, when are they going to move? Where are they going to move? Well, the thing is, is is and like, it's not all what AEW wants. It's what TNT wants. And listen, the numbers they are getting on Friday and take it from somebody who literally works in television full time though they get a they get crazy numbers for Friday at 10 p.m. they're knocking it out of the park TNT does not want them going anywhere Time slot wise, anywhere day wise, and especially not over to TBS like they are getting exactly what they want out of Rampage. We, of course, want everybody watching live. But listen, if you want to watch Rampage, you're going to record it like. I don't even have cable. I have I have Hulu plus live TV and I can record anything I want and I can watch it when I want. I don't think it's that big a thing. And everybody's losing their minds over those numbers when they are happy. Like the network loves having them there in that time slot.
2: Yeah, and they're and they're not probably spending too much time worrying about how it compares no. to SmackDown on Fox or all that kind of stuff that we, no. you know, we're we're all worrying about. Like the war is only in a lot of people's minds when, you know, there's definitely some people in his minds who are in the war who are trying to make <laughs> things happen. But in the real world of the TV business, I would imagine. It's all just about the bottom line is what do we want in this slot? And are you delivering it
1: in that slot? They are number one or number two consistently, and they're crushing everybody, both in the demo. And that's what makes them money. It's all about making them money and they're making real money in that time slot. Oh, before we even get to the rest of what's coming up, and again, we'll get this, we'll get, we'll get our format hammered down, worked <laughs> out as we move forward. Let's talk about what should have been on Dynamite this week. What happened around AEW that you thought kind of should have made the main show? What was your favorite thing this week?
2: Yeah, first of all, shout out to uh, Paul Fontaine uh fight gang contributor and host of the dynamite show uh with uh, jeff hawkins for always coining that phrase should have been on dynamite anytime anyone points something out online that he should have seen he's very defiant about having not seen it and saying it should have been on dynamite so this is an honor to him absolutely um to me the road two segments that they put online uh before every dynamite um i always try to make a must see to see those beforehand uh, it's about 15 minutes every week um, they release them usually, I think, Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning, and it just really sets the table well. You will usually see some of the best video production they do is in those segments. Um, in this case, um, the, the one that was published this week on the AEW YouTube was uh, Full Gear Fallout, and it had Hangman Page's full promo in the ring after winning the title uh, where he basically told the story of his character again. You know, that I I'd, I'd lied to myself uh, and said that I didn't belong. I lied to myself that I couldn't be as good as the AEW title. And now if you'll indulge me, I'm going to lie to myself one more time and say I'm going to hold this title for the rest of my life. I thought that was a great promo. Should have been on Dynamite. They did clip it up a little bit and have that actual soundbite on there. Um, but I would have loved it if, if, if you had tuned in on Wednesday night and the first thing you saw was exactly where they left off at the end of that pay-per-view and you had a couple of minutes you know living that it would have made it feel like one seamless thing one thing I don't say would actually should have been on Dynamite but since then people should go out of their way to see is the saga of Too Fast, Too Fuego Uh, (laughs) Fuego I saw my first
1: my my third Too Fast, Too Fuego match this weekend
2: yeah it's becoming a thing uh, there's a mystery man partner who is uh, Fuego Dos Sol's partner is Fuego Dos. Rumors are that it's Cody Rhodes. There's a mysterious, uh, as, as Taz referred to it, a a deep bruise on his neck that just doesn't doesn't seem to heal somehow. Um, I have no idea why they're doing this. I have no idea where it's going or if it's just a way to have fun. Yeah, but it's just exactly the kind of pro wrestling ridiculous that I ridiculousness that I like. I hope that you know. Uh, I don't know if like Malachi Black is going to challenge them to a title, or if it's some kind of you know, are we going to see an FTR too fast, too fast, too fuego match? I'd be down for that. Oh my god! Uh, but I would recommend people go out of their way just to see it because it's just the kind of silly fun that wrestling can do. Get right sometimes.
1: I mean, it brings me back to my childhood. Some of the greatest mask wrestlers to ever the live, the machines. The machines. A lot of people would say Mr. Wrestling Number Two, but no. Yep. I'm going with the Midnight Rider number one and the Yellow
2: Dog number two. Yellow Dog, yes.
1: <laughs> the 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 uh, a man who has been frighteningly forgotten by wrestling history, but yes. yeah, it's phenomenal. And I love that AEW is the type of company where this could very well just be. Cody wants to have some fun, mm-hmm. and and I absolutely love it. None of my none. Listen, none of my should have been on dynamite should have actually been on dynamite but there's a lot of great stuff out there you need to check out number one on youtube the good the bad and the elite they have mm. put together every single moment of the build of coat of of adam page to the ch- to the championship i tuned in i started to watch the first episode and i realized this episode's 30 minutes and there's six of these episodes. That's how much has gone into this title build over the last three years, and it's all there if you want to see it. Um, I do a I do a weekly I do watch parties on my Facebook Live, and it's and I don't have a lot of that close Facebook friends who are wrestling fan so i get a lot of mm-hmm. my ladies that are have followed me from like hgtv and ghost shows mm-hmm. and some of these ladies are absolutely in love now with adam page they've never watched wrestling in their life and i'm sending them to this so they can get the entire
2: backstory you're gonna, also you're gonna single-handedly uh uh increase that demo huh i have in,
1: i have absolutely increased their female demo by at least three people unfortunately i don't quite think they make the 18 to 49 some uh <laughs> it's all right. some every old,
2: little bit helps
1: some yeah some some Older ladies, but um. also, I've got to give you a match from AW Dark. I've got it written out here. I've got it listed. Okay, AW Dark. I thought this was a phenomenal match. I don't think it should have been on Dynamite, but you should go out of your way to see it. It was Rio, Chris Statlander, and, and Rio Mizunami versus The Bunny, Emi Sakura, Nyla Rose. And if you think that's a lot of ladies, wait till you hear who they were cornered by. May Saruga, who is phenomenal, um, Lulu Pencil, maybe my favorite wrestler in the world, name, well, named Lulu Pencil, and Vicky Guerrero. I got to say, a lot of these wrestlers have not impressed me that much over the last year. They mm-hmm. were. This was every one of them, other than Chris Statlanders. This might have been their best match. I loved every second of this match. There was great wrestling. There were great comedy moments, but the comedy moments came from who they were supposed to, the ladies on the outside, Lulu Pencil, Mesa Ruga. Also, Mesa Ruga, not somebody I'd ever really thought about much until I saw this match. And then literally 30 minutes later, totally by accident, I see her doing this rock-paper-scissors competition with um, on, on Twitter, And it was her taking on Tomohiro Ishii in Rock, Paper, Scissors, her acting like it's the most important thing that's ever happened to her. Ishii being just a stone cold monster sitting there, no expression. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I think those were some of the most fun things I saw this week in the AEW universe. None of them should have been on TV, but you should go out of your way to try and see them if you get a chance. Wonderful. All right. I think, look, we've been going about an hour and a half here. I think this was a solid first episode. I think we'll get things tighter as we go forward, but I'm excited about all the things we have coming forward. I know you're excited about Winter is Coming. I'm excited to find out about what Battle of the Belts is going to be. Also, I think at Winter is Coming, which you're going to be at in person, we're going to find out what what the Owen Hart tournament is going to be. Oh, yes. We're going to find out the rules. I know that's something really exciting coming up. So we've got a few matches to talk about on our way out. the door here coming up this week on AEW we have got uh, this Wednesday we've got Jamie Hader versus Thunder Rosa CM Punk versus QT Marshall uh, Brian Danielson versus Cole Cabana Lucha Brothers Cody and Pack versus FTR Andrade and Malachi Black and then on Black Friday Rampage Eddie Kingston versus Daniel Garcia and I gotta be
2: honest I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most how about you me too same thing I'm looking forward to that match a lot
1: all right, everybody, you can follow me online everywhere at Peppermint Fatty on TikTok. Put an X on either end. Kevin, how can people follow you online?
2: Just at Kevin Ely, E L Y. Uh, and uh, I talk about uh, mostly reacting to other people's film opinions, a little bit of wrestling, and uh, just my life.
1: Kevin, once we get off the air, you and I, at some point, we've got to talk some music. We've got to talk some movies, everybody. Uh, you can follow this podcast, go to Apple, uh, go to Apple podcasts, go to Spotify, follow fight game media. Of course, if you would like to subscribe to fight game media plus on Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash fight game media. It's only $5 a month. I think it's well worth your value. I think the, I think the Terrence Crawford, uh, podcast that dropped uh, Sunday morning. I think mm-hmm. it's worth that price alone. You're going to be really impressed with the depth of knowledge you get out of that. And I'm so lot. We're, exactly. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you again next Monday right here on The Boom.
0: This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.